This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I have to try. I must do all I can to act the way I usually do. I push the pedal and the car accelerates. The speed takes me by surprise as I plunge through the empty green fields. I am late for work. There is a space between reality and fantasy, between light and dark, between rational and irrational. In this space, there are stories. This story is called Midnight Tales. Listen to the darkness. Tale 2. A Few Broken Feathers. Chapter 2. As soon as I enter the hospital in its usual rush and hassle, my exhaustion hits me like never before. I drop off my bag and get to work right away, hoping there is nothing too urgent to handle today. As soon as Dr. Martin spots me, I get rushed to assist with a patient who is dilating at almost 10 centimeters. It is not long now. I get everything ready as Dr. Martin rushes into the room. There is screaming and breathing, coaching, but all of that is white noise to me. I am used to it. I focus on my work. I am exhausted and do it mechanically. I do it until Jamal rushes into the room and whispers into Dr. Martin's ear. The mother's moans get louder, and the other nurse and I exchange uneasy glances. Dr. Martin turns and looks at me. The look on his face is familiar now. I nod and sit in the spot where he was sitting only a second ago as he rushes out of the room. Jamal follows at his footsteps. All right, darling, I tell the mother who is huffing in front of me. Keep this going. She looks up slightly, and maybe she wants to ask why the doctor left so suddenly, but she has no time. A savage scream escapes from inside her. A guttural wail. And I know it is time. It will happen any second now. You hang on now. I try to outscream her, and I wonder if it is really myself that I am trying to calm. It is an uncomplicated birth. I have done it before. Yet my heart skips a beat every time this happens. Several minutes later, a new life slides into my arms. The very same arms that took someone's life away only several hours ago, now welcome in another. I stare at this strange, tiny being, so unlike a real human, for only a second. Then I flip it and give it a shake, and a scream erupts from it. It is a healthy baby, and I carry it over to the cleaning station. Another nurse wraps it into a blanket and hands it to the mother while I clamp the umbilical cord. We work quickly to finalize everything, and I feel a sigh of relief escape me as I hear the newborn cry and the quiet sobbing pours out of the mother. 
Before I leave, I check on the mother and the baby again. They are cuddled together. The mother clutches him as if he is the last thing she will ever see in this world. I look into the baby's face. It's a boy. He stares at me with his big eyes. And I see something familiar in there. Something that sees beyond me. Someone who is wise beyond his age. He stares into me with a penetrating look. The blue of his eyes reminds me of a great ocean as I lose myself in his gaze. I am reminded of the eyes I had seen on the great oak. In the end, I can no longer take it, so I look away. The day continues with the usual intensity. Dr. Martin runs around between a healthy and a complicated case that we have today. I am glad that in terms of complications, there is only one. All by himself, it is too much for Dr. Martin to handle. When the day ends, I am exhausted. Still, I am glad for how busy it was. I haven't thought of last night. It is a relief. But now that I am at my locker gathering my things, and my heart drops again as if plunged from the very top of that giant oak tree, my hands start to shake. Slowly, like a patient myself, I walk out the doors and into the fresh air. The wind blows through my ponytail, caresses my face, and I take a deep breath. I wish my hands would stop shaking, yet every time I close my eyes, I hear the sound. Thud. It goes, and the shaking intensifies. I am about to move on and walk towards my car when I see a man in a wheelchair. He is leaning over himself in his chair and smoking. I approach him. Can I bum one off ya? He looks up into my face. His own veiny countenance flexes into what looks like defiance. Without a word, he goes into the pocket of his plaid robe and fumbles around until he produces a pack. I don't know what brand it is, but I carefully take out a cigarette and he flicks on a lighter for me. I lean down and hold my ponytail as I light up. Immediately, I feel the intense smoke rush into me and choke me. I cough, a little embarrassed that it affects me this way. The man in the wheelchair does not seem to care. He inhales deeply as he stares ahead into the darkness. We stay silent for some time, until he finally looks up at me. Hard day at work. I nod. We stay silent for another minute. He finishes his cigarette and lights up another. Oncology? He nods. I'm sorry, is all I can think to say. You know, I only started smoking when I got the diagnosis. Never did it, not really. And then when I knew it was going to be bad, I thought to myself, well, why the heck not? I smile at him. I'd do the same thing, I admit. I am almost done with my cigarette, and I notice that my hand's finally quiet. I feel at ease. Muted. What's your name? He looks up at me, puts a palm of his hand over his mouth, and coughs. Michael. Michael is my name. It is then that I feel it. 
the coldness of this gaze creeping up behind me. I turn, and my heart jumps in panic, but there is nobody there. It is the strangest thing, this feeling of being watched. I sigh and look back at the man in the wheelchair. It's just us together, Michael and I. Yet, I feel the cold gaze all the same. Very nice to meet you. I'm Anne. He nods at me and takes the last deep inhale of his cigarette. Michael, you want me to take you in? Nah. He waves his hand around, as if swatting me away like a fly. Let me enjoy this while I can. All right. You take care of yourself now. Thanks for the cigarette. I smile and attempt a wave, but Michael is not looking at me. He is staring into the distance, staring as if he can see something that is beyond this place, staring as if trying to find a familiar shape in the moonlight. Thank you for supporting Crawl Space Media Podcasts. I am here to tell you about LA Not So Confidential, the forensic psychology and true crime podcast brought to you by me, Dr. Shiloh, and this guy. Hey, I'm her bestie and co-host, Dr. Scott. She was a cop and I was a Hollywood casting director. Now we're both forensic psychologists working in Los Angeles. Twice a month, we bring you a classic or contemporary true crime story. We apply the real psychological concepts behind the story and dish on the media's representations of those cases. Subscribe now to LA Not So Confidential, wherever you get your crawlspace media podcasts. True crime, psychology, and snark. Trust us, we're doctors. We find that in these times, everyone needs some time to chill out and relax. That's why we're excited to announce this week's sponsor, Boston Green Health. Boston Green Health is a local provider of CBD products that specializes in oils, topicals, gummies, and edibles. Boston Green Health's plant-based products can provide natural relief and rest for the mind, body, and soul. As one of New England's premier hemp-based companies, they offer a variety of all-natural CBD products that use a blend of locally sourced hemp extract. Visit bostongreenhealth.com for premium CBD oil, a delicious variety of CBD-infused gummies, luxurious handcrafted topicals, and a product line for pets. Podcast listeners can receive 40% off any purchase by using show code STORIES. Boston Green Health takes pride in being New England's most trusted CBD brand. I pull up to Gloria's house and rest my eyes for a second while I lean back in my seat. The lights are on and I can see shapes moving around inside. Last time I was here, John was alive, I realize with panic. I wonder how Gloria is getting on. A moment later, I push myself out of my seat and climb up, my limbs exhausted, my veins buzzing with something like excitement or maybe anxiety. I shuffle up to the familiar door and enter without knocking. Mommy! Mommy! Bunny runs towards me and jumps into my arms. Hello, beautiful. How is the day? I ask and hug her, 
hold her close to me, inhale the fresh, sweet smell of her hair. It's like smelling innocence. She leans back in my arms and studies me, looks at me in her own peculiar way of a child, touches my face with her tiny hands. Gloria and I were making pasta, she announces. You were? I can't wait to have some. I kiss her chubby cheek and let her down. Gloria stands in the doorway with folded arms. By the crease above her eyebrows, I can tell she is tense. How was work? I sigh. Exhausting. I bet. She is still in the doorway, and I can tell she is trying to tell me something. I walk towards her. So listen. She glances at Bunny, who had run off to sit in front of the TV and is not paying attention. Luke is coming. He is coming over here. She straightens out when she says this, still glancing at Bunny, as if keeping up the pretense for her sake only. I called the police today because John hasn't come back home. She looks me straight in the face. John's missing, Anne. I glance at Bunny. All I see is her back. She is absorbed in whatever is on TV. I take a step closer to Gloria and hug her. John is missing? How do you know? I almost believe our pointless exchange. It's the strangest thing, Anne. He never came home last night. I don't believe it, I exclaim, and feel a giggle build up in my throat at the ridiculousness of this whole exchange. Who are we kidding? Are you hungry? Gloria heads towards the kitchen, but stops suddenly. There is a knock on the door. We both freeze and study each other. Well, go ahead then, I hear myself say as I settle into a chair in the kitchen. I know who this is. And suddenly I feel my hands shake again. I think back to the cigarette I had before and miss the man in the wheelchair. Gloria goes to the door and opens it. Sheriff Benson steps in and takes off his hat, holding it against his large belly. He greets Gloria and nods at me. Then he heads to the kitchen to join me at the table. He looks pensive and distraught. Gloria follows him. Well, have you heard anything around town, Luke? Anything? Oh, she is a good actress. My hands shake harder. Not a damn word. Luke studies his own hands, as if trying to find an answer there. So what? What do you think? Gloria sounds genuinely worried. I try to hide my hands. Listen, Gloria, Luke says, but then pauses. Well? Gloria folds her arms again. Luke looks at her, then me, then her again. You think, maybe, he has another woman? It takes Gloria a moment. She makes a fist with her hands and carefully puts them to her hips. What? She says it sternly, irritated. Don't take it the wrong way. 
I'm not trying to imply anything, it's just... You know, I've seen this before. I have to ask. What have you heard? Just a few things. Luke looks at me now. You heard anything? I shake my head. What did you hear? Gloria demands. By the way she is talking, I can tell she is furious. Caught off guard. Now don't be mad. You know how it is, Luke continues. No! No, I don't know how it is. Why don't you tell me, Luke? Gloria is furious, and her voice is ringing through the whole house now. Bunny looks back to us, her little face a pale oval against the TV. Luke only looks at Gloria, and that is enough. She paces back and forth in frustration. That bastard! She shoots back in her anger. All right, then, Luke says. Given that we have not heard from him or seen him, it is a likely possibility. Why don't you give him a day or two? You know how he is. At this, Gloria looks at me. Her whole demeanor screams upset. Yet I can read her eyes. Her eyes tell a different story. Her eyes rejoice. I know I should be happy. I should celebrate that we are not on the hook yet. But somehow I am very uneasy. I cannot calm down. I feel someone's gaze at my back. A hungry gaze. I turn rapidly, but there is no one there. Fine. I hear Gloria shoot back. But Luke? I don't like this one bit. Luke gives her a condescending look. He'll come around again. Just you see. He gets up to leave, and we both follow him to the door. Let me know, all right? Let me know if you hear more. Gloria looks so worried that I almost buy the act. You bet. Luke puts his hat back on and walks out the door. We both watch him disappear into the darkness of the night. Once the lights of his car fade away, Gloria and I look at each other. We don't need any words. You want to stay? She asks me. I'm exhausted, I tell her. I really want to get home. Thanks for taking care of Bunny. Of course, darling. She smiles. That simple, easy smile that paints itself so effortlessly on her face. I yawn. Bunny, get over here. I call after her and she comes running. Get your things, we're going. A few minutes later, we are driving down a narrow road. My eyelids are heavy and I do my best to blink away the sleep that tries to take me over again and again. At home, with Bunny asleep and myself tucked into bed, my sleep finally takes over and I drift away. On the next episode of Midnight Tales, I fly past the tree, fly into the soft light of the moon and search for something, someone, but I cannot remember who. The same eerie feeling I got earlier is upon me, and I turn my head back. It spins as if not attached to my body, yet there is something back there. I fly above a large opening, 
and spot a fox standing up straight at the edge of it. I lower myself and glide towards her tiny outline. Thank you for listening to Midnight Tales, a Crawl Space Media production of a Pi Rational story from the in-between. Voice acted by me, Natalie Nottis. Music and post-production by David Williams. Written by Pi Rational Writer. Stories from the In-Between is part of the Crawl Space Media Network family. This is a Blast Box Media Podcast.